everyone. Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast, is Kayla Provost. Kayla falls under the model category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We touch on how Kayla found Smart Glamour as a customer first, then became a model, what that's meant to her, her work in higher ed, and we also chat a bit about calling folks in and what white folks can do to be actively anti-racist. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hello. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Could you please introduce yourself? Of course. Um, My name is Kayla Provost, and I am an avid international educator and writer. I work for Suffolk University at the moment, and I advocate for international students, which has been interesting um, this past year, to say the least. But I also work with study abroad and encourage students to pursue adventures abroad, whether they be service adventures or gap years or semester studying at various campuses. Um, I'm also a runner, a hiker, a skier, and the older sister of three younger brothers. So um, that in and of itself, I feel like just screams a lot about my personality. <laughs> but um, no, I'm just I'm just so happy to be here. Um, I. I absolutely love um, Smart Glamour and all the work that you've done, um, your advocacy work for in the fashion world and beyond. Mal is just wonderful. So I'm excited to be here and talk to you. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. Feel like I can, good. I feel like I can talk and talk. And sometimes I'm a circular talker, which is 100% genetics. Um, ah. Thanks, mom. But... Um, <laughs> But yeah, just really excited to be here today. Wonderful. So um, I do want to dive into the the work that you do. But before we get into that stuff, I'm going to ask, since you didn't bring it up, do you consider slash call yourself a model and why or why not? <laughs> so I think up until, up until I was introduced to Smart Glamour, I would have never called myself a model. Um, now having, I think having done a few, like I purchased some smart glamour clothing and then did some Instagram happy, happy customer posts, and then ended up doing one of the winter campaigns. Um, so having done all of that, I would now say that I am, am a model, but I, I can, I can tell that my voice sounds tentative. Um, (laughs) I'll say that as an individual who is, you know, who has anxiety, who is a perfectionist, who, Mm. um, who struggles with that every single day. Um, I have a lot more comfort in saying like that person, that person's a model than ever pointing to myself and saying I am. Um, but I do like the confidence that smart glamour has given me in order to say that I am. And I am very proud to model, model, sorry, model for Smart Glamour in particular. Um, but um, I'm always very pleasantly surprised when people, especially Instagram followers, say that I'm a model. Yeah. I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> but it's always more of a shock than uh, me saying, oh yeah, I'm definitely a model. Um, it's not how I would describe myself if people ask to give 10 adjectives to describe myself um, mm-hmm. or even like roles that I see myself filling. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's one that I'm very proud personally to fill, um, just Mm -hmm. with 
you know, what I've struggled with as far as like self-image issues and everything too. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting that you brought up anxiety. Um, I am also a person with anxiety, which I don't think I really realized was anxiety or, you know, like I think maybe in the past I would have said like, oh, I get anxious, but like more ascribe that to like everybody gets anxious. Um, and I think only in the past few years have I realized that like I probably actually do have like anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I also am a like perfectionist um, trying to, you know, I work a lot to try to get over that kind of stuff. Um, and, and also when I, back in the day when I modeled and had agencies and all that kind of stuff, um, I still didn't really go around and tell people I was a model or say that I did it. And I wonder <laughs> if, if that was connected to my anxiety in any way, cause I definitely never connected the two before. Um, so that's really interesting that you brought that up. Um, and I totally understand like how, like claiming something that especially when it's something that you do can right. <laughs> tie into like perfectionist tendencies because you almost want to say like don't want to say that you do it unless you feel like you do it good enough and like by whose standard is good enough right you know <laughs> no it, exactly and I I remember being at the the shoot that I did with with you in New York and talking mm -hmm. to some of the other incredible um smart glamour models and I remember expressing to them that I was so nervous to be in front of the camera. And it's not that I haven't taken photographs before. I, I mean, my mother um, is a professor of early childhood ed, but also an artist and an incredible painter. So she constantly had a camera out and I, I swear I still have a smile face. Like <laughs> it, it, it's um, my friends always laugh that like, they'll just, I'll see a camera floating somewhere and I'll just smile because I'm so used to my mother taking photos. Um, but I, I feel like, um, a lot of the smart glamour models have this, this joy and passion that just like flows through them in photographs. Mm -hmm. And I just what I was afraid I wasn't going to be able to convey that. Um, mm. But everybody was just so kind. Um, and they were just like, no, just just be happy. Just smile. Just, <laughs> you know, like, just model and wear, wear it the way that makes you feel happy. And that just that was very, very comforting and very empowering. Oh, I love that so much. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because um, I'm trying to think back to that specific shoot. But I mean, I know that in general, I have people who, you know, have never modeled before. Maybe that's their first time. Maybe they've done it one other time. And then have people who model a lot, but only for me. And then I have people who model a lot. And like, you know, maybe they're signed with agencies. Maybe they model for all types of other brands. So it really runs the gamut. And I know specifically that shoot, like Anula was there. She does a lot of modeling and is, is like a signed model. And then at the same time, my sister was there who um, only models for me, you know, at that point. Um, <laughs> So it's it's definitely like a mix of people. And I think it's interesting uh, what ends up happening in those conversations of, of you know, between the models and when, pe when people are nervous. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so since we're talking about your modeling, um, I know what you look like. But for people who are listening to this and don't know what you look like, could you describe your appearance? Sure. Um, this is one I was prepared for because I had listened to some of the other, other podcasts and I'm like, oh, thank goodness I did my research. Um, <laughs> but I am, um, I like to say five, seven though at the doctor's office, they'll say five, six and a half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm five, seven. I am what I, what I tend to call, um, 
athletically built. Um, Mm -hmm. I have very broad shoulders. Um, I look like I could definitely win some swimming races. Um, (laughs) um, I'm, I'm a very, I guess, muscular body type. Mm-hmm. If you were to shop in a, I don't know, a generalized store, but even I feel like options in stores aren't particularly like perfect for my body type anyways, but mm-hmm. at like a, a Gap or Old Navy or Banana Republic, I would fit somewhere between an eight and a 10. Um, I, I know that that's, uh, there are places that I fit into a six and places I fit into a 12 or a 14. And honestly, mm-hmm. I just think that there's, there's just so much wrong with how that's portrayed anyways. But um, I'd say athletic build, I definitely look like I could, I definitely look like I could run like a 400 meter dash, but could also throw a shot put. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like that's how I like to describe myself. Um, so I have very, very straight brown hair. Um, that's usually quite long, although I just donated it to children with hair loss. So now it's very short. Um, so I have short, straight brown hair. Um, I have hazel eyes, which given the anxiety of my entire life are the only things I've never had a complaint about. Um, Mm. interestingly enough, um, I am French Canadian Irish. So I, um, I'm quite pale, but I will tan. So thank you for that. Um, and um, in in general, if you were to see me on the street, I'm probably most comfortable in what I guess the world is calling athleisure wear now. Um, mm. I I really like to be comfortable. I, I'm most comfortable when I'm in athletic clothing, um, when I'm doing something active like hiking. And um, I also don't wear a ton of makeup, not because I don't like it. I think it looks really cool when I wear it. Um, but just simply because I, I think it's both a time thing and, uh, like a skin issues thing. So during quarantine, I found out that I just, my skin likes no makeup. So I will, if I wear anything, you'll see me with lip gloss, but everything else will be like no makeup. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I haven't had that many people bring up makeup i think the most recent episode that just came out which was knocked was um they brought up makeup but i feel like not that many people did obviously except for my episode with sophie when it's like almost all we talked about (laughs) (laughs) but that's because she's a makeup artist um she's incredible and yes and i think it's also that too that i just have i i don't have a lot of confidence in my ability to use makeup um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so i never really got comfortable with it so i'm just i've always been someone that when I do wear makeup, my friends are like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I've never really got comfortable with using it either. And you know what? Maybe this is another anxious uh, perfectionist thing that like, maybe you feel like you're not good enough at it. So you're like not doing it. I mean, the only thing I do is wear lipstick because um, that's easy enough. Yeah. Lipstick is great. And I mean, right right <laughs> now with with the masks, people don't get to appreciate my um, my right. expertise when it comes to artfully putting on lipstick. But a day will come again when people will, will get to see it. <laughs> yes, yes, please, goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so before, so actually, well, I'll tie both these questions together. So the question, the the uh, original question that I was going to say is, before uh, modeling for Smart Glamour, what was your relationship to fashion? And I'm going to tie into that question. Um, I forget because I know that we have two mutual friends from two completely different situations. So how did you originally uh, find out about Smart Glamour? And then also, what was your relationship pre- before with fashion before that? Okay, so 
I'll answer that how I found out about Smart Glamour first, because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a more simple answer. Um, our mutual friend, Jamie, is how I originally found out about Smart Glamour. Um, it was actually through her Instagram post. She and I went to graduate school in Ireland. Um, actually, she and her husband, Ron, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I went to graduate school. Um, they were in the community music program, and I was in the master's in English program. And um, we ended up singing in the same um gospel choir, which was wonderful. Mm. It was so nice. Um, so I actually know the two of them from the musical world as opposed to the fashion world, but, Mm. um, absolutely love, um, Jamie's confidence and her, her style and just her passion for just being so unapologetically cool and herself. And I think that, that I strive to be that, um, you know, as the Mm. anxious perfectionist to, has struggled with confidence for a long time. I, um, I just remember like looking at that and then I found out that she was actually modeling a certain like brand. And I was like, well, that seems like it's, you know, something that if not being right up my alley at the time, I, I, I feel like I'm articulating this incorrectly. I feel like no, you're doing I've, fine. I've embraced, I felt, I feel like when it comes to looking at other people, I've always embraced the, type of brand that smart glamour is promoting but when it mm. comes to loving myself I absolutely have not and I still struggle with it so when I saw um when I saw smart glamour through Jamie's eyes it was just something I knew I wanted to be involved in um and it started with just purchasing pieces and um and tagging Jamie and, and tagging you on Instagram <laughs> and just and just loving everything that I was wearing and um really embracing that part of um of fashion. And, and then to segue to your other question, I don't think I really paid much heed to fashion up until then. Um, Mm -hmm. fashion to me was, can I fit into this? How, how small can I get to be, you know, at this Mm -hmm. size? Um, and, um, and I think that, and I'm not saying that the people that I was surrounding myself with immediately in the world that I was in, were advocating for that but I I was a figure skater for many years and I have a wonderful coach several wonderful coaches and the people in my community at the rink were wonderful but that world was very very um like all about your body type and and all of that and I think that for someone who was a naturally um self-sabotaging person mentally um that wasn't the best place for me to be in. Um, right. And I actually ended up loving figure skating a lot more when I quit doing competitions um, and just did it for fun. And that made all the difference. But I do think that for me, fashion was all about, was all about size, which is exactly the opposite of what I've been trying to really embrace with like the style of any size that Jamie um, was promoting. And then of course, everything that I was taught either by, by the media or um, by the world that I was simply placed into, even if the people around me weren't screaming, like, lose weight, be a certain body type, everything the, that that world was. So mm-hmm. coming from that and then coming into the smart glamour space was so drastically different in the best of ways for me, um, because it was really all about, you know, kind of what, you know, the, the Jamie hashtag, the style of any size and the you know, fashion for all that, that you're always promoting, um, and advocating for, it was just, it was so different. And so what I needed, and I know that 
as a lifelong learner and as someone in education, there's still so much I need to work on mm-hmm. specifically with how I view myself and all of this. But, um, but I'm just my, let's just say that my relationship with fashion was either non-existent or completely unhealthy. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like totally mm-hmm. unhealthy. Um, yeah. so that's fair. Mm-hmm. I think, it, I think it is for a lot of people. I mean, you're definitely not alone in that. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, Smart Glamour is and has been uh, doing what it's supposed to do uh-huh. <laughs> in, that, in that trajectory. Um, you also know a Smart Glamour babe, Alexa. Though, I do. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, like, that's what I was referring to before that, like, you know, two people in total, like, totally separate situations. You know her from, from college? I do know her from college. And she uh, is okay. probably one of the most, I mean, I, I of course any listeners to this podcast may know her by um, her modeling, but Mm -hmm. she is a, such a talented thespian. She is such an amazing actress. Um, I was always, we we were in the same class. We graduated the same year, but I was just always so in awe of how her presence on stage. And I think that really comes through in her modeling as well. Mm. Yeah. It's so interesting. I've actually never uh, gotten to see her act in any way. The only thing I've ever seen her perform is modeling um, because Mm -hmm. Uh, we met um, years ago working at a bar and restaurant together oh, and then wonderful. just stayed friends. Um, and during that time, she was kind of she had moved here to do acting stuff and then kind of stopped doing it um, for, you know, I'm sure a myriad of reasons for herself. Um, and so I never got to see her do do any of it. Um, and then uh i roped her into modeling for smart glamour for the first collection mm-hmm. and you know definitely took a few times of her telling me i don't mind that a model i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah as you said she's um she has a, a wonderful radiating joyful presence so mm-hmm. uh, she doesn't have to do as much as she thinks she does <laughs> not at all no she and and i feel like even like thinking back on conversations that we had in college that she i think that she was such a wonderful person to be around because she was so talented, but she wasn't vain about it. Um, mm. And I, I, mean, I guarantee if we spoke, you know, tomorrow that she'd be the same way. That mm. just doesn't mm-hmm. go away out of someone. So mm-hmm. I had two mm-hmm. really amazing smart glamour connections. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I always thought it was so interesting because I couldn't pinpoint like which person was talking about it and you found it from them first, you know, mm-hmm. um, because Jamie, I only know because of Smart Glamour, you know, like uh, we became friends through the Internet because she found what I was doing and then started posting some things. And then I started following her. um, And now she's one of my best friends. But but yeah, we met we met because of Smart Glamour. (laughs) Well, that's so interesting. I for some reason, I think just um, just looking at even from the social media perspective, the bond that the two of you had, I just kind of assumed that you knew each other beforehand. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's so interesting that, you know, this movement, this fashion movement was really what brought the two of you together. Oh yeah. I mean, we've only actually seen each other in person twice. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so crazy. Because she lives in Arkansas. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so I want to now just go back and ask a little bit more about what you do for a living. So I think that's so interesting, um, as somebody who, has a teaching degree that I've only mm-hmm. recently started to use a little bit um, on the side of Smart Glamour. So can you talk about how you got into that that kind of tangent of education and, and 
what uh, you like most about doing it? I'd love to. Yeah. So um, I think like anybody who ends up working in higher ed, when you ask us for the story of how we got here, it's never the same story. Um, <laughs> it's um, it's a, a role and a, a position and a vocation that really finds you throughout the course of your life, um, in my opinion, based on conversations with my colleagues. Um, I found mine through my master's program at University of Limerick in Ireland, where I met Jamie and Ron. And I, when I was completing my master's in English degree, I had the opportunity to work as an education in Ireland student ambassador. And what that entailed was reaching out and speaking with prospective students and parents who were right on that like precipice of wanting to take um, their study abroad to the next level of actually like come for a full-time undergrad or a full-time postgraduate program Mm -hmm. um, and just give them the student perspective while I was still in school. Um, And it also entailed my my first love, um, which is writing. And I got to do a series of blog posts about my experiences abroad that ranged from um, meeting famous Irish poets and getting to sing and dance um, with them while they played traditional Irish music all the way to the struggles of what culture shock is like um, and how to survive when your financial aid doesn't come through and you have to eat oatmeal, apples, and black coffee for three weeks. Um, so like, <laughs> um, it, was, it gave me a lot of room to flex my writing muscles. Um, but at the same time, I noticed just how incredibly dedicated the staff was to Um, enabling me to share my voice and connect with others on that level. And I knew that I wanted to pursue international education. So Mm. when I had about a year where I I was doing assistant teaching and substitute teaching right after graduate school. And Mm. um, during that year, I was just applying to study abroad programs. And um, the wonderful Arlene um, in the UCC Academy at University College Cork, um, she took a chance on me with, you know, without, I, I had the experience of a blogger and, and an ambassador as a grad student. And um, she's still like such an inspiration as a CEO. Um, and I'm working for University College Cork as their North American officer and um, US rep for six years. And mm. in that role, I got to experience what it was like recruiting and marketing for um one Irish university in particular. And I also got to help students through their entire application life cycle, coming from the United States, going to Ireland, writing blogs for me as ambassadors, and then graduating and finding jobs and um, getting to follow their their passions and um, and their dreams. And it, it was incredible. Um, and I think that I ended up having the opportunity to see in students that I helped to study abroad, the same confidence and sense of independence and sense of self in those students that I saw in myself probably for the first time when I went abroad. And I mm-hmm. think it it's that connection with, you know, cultural immersion and, and really getting the opportunity to see another person's lifestyle and culture up close. And then that combined with the fact that you, when you go abroad somewhere, you're just venturing into the unknown. And that requires you to 
dig deep within yourself and discover ways in which you're strong that you had no idea you were. And I, so I think that's why I decided to stay with it. Um, because I know that no matter what career I do, I can always write. Um, I've written a young adult novel actually, but, um, I can always write, um, but to give students the opportunity to find strength in themselves, especially, especially where that's something that I've struggled with my entire life, I feel like I couldn't pass that up. So mm. That's so wonderful. So how has all of that gone on now during COVID? Are you like still trying to basically like just plan for farther enough ahead with students or how's that? <laughs> so um, I actually, I, I, switched roles from UCC to my role at Suffolk University now in at the end of February right before COVID. Um, oh boy. <laughs> so um I went from having three weeks in the office learning the ropes to being completely virtual mm. to being furloughed for six weeks in the summer to being virtual again with the same workload <laughs> that oh, wow. when I when I left. Um so um it's been interesting to say the least. Um it's been a transition but I think that in that transition, I've, I've been able to truly empathize with a lot of the students who are either incoming freshmen and trying to do that transition or are students that realize that maybe, maybe the semester abroad during their undergrad isn't an opportunity anymore. And that's, that's so devastating and heartbreaking for them. But, um, in, in having those moments of reflection of how I've learned to pivot myself, I, I feel like my goal in my role right now is just to find those ways where those students can pivot and still have that experience. So where a student has to do a virtual global internship rather than an internship in Italy. Like we talk about ways that that can be utilized to help them in a career that will eventually take them abroad. Or if a student can't go to London, but the student is thinking of going to graduate graduate school. We talk about ways in which we can make graduate school in London a possibility, or um, students who never had the opportunity to travel anywhere but really are invested in service learning. We talk. I, I share my experience about building homes in Guatemala with those students and ways in which they can do, you know, summer long things with whether they be through international service organizations or organizations nationally like Habitat for Humanity. So it's mm-hmm. um, I've I've tried to use my own discomfort in the entire situation to empathize with my student population and then look at their, like what their life goals are and determine the best paths to speak to them about. So a a lot of what I'm doing now is I I feel like I'm the, I'm both the, okay, how can we plan for the future based on all of this coupled with the, I'm going to give you the bad news as gently as possible and figure out how we can make it um, into something that we can learn from. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just even know um, from my very uh, small experience of just being a part-time uh, faculty member at Parsons that like so many things just got completely shut down just mm-hmm. immediately, um, including my course <laughs> for fall. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. Um so, yeah, I can only imagine if you, you know, are a student and you had these big plans to study abroad and then they just got squashed. That could be definitely heartbreaking. So I'm glad that they have you <laughs> to help navigate that and find a find a solu- find another solution. Well, thank you. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure to work with them. And 
you know, for as much disappointment as a lot of these students are facing, the resilience is just inspiring too. Um, Mm -hmm. They, you know, they'll have that moment where they sit in, you know, the disappointment and then they say, okay, what's next? And Mm -hmm. if anything, I, I, I know that I know that I'm helping them because they've expressed that to me, but they, th- their resilience is also helping me keep going and, you know, push forward with what I'm doing as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to bring up something that you asked when, um, I posted about this podcast. So for <laughs> folks who don't know, a lot of the people, so a lot of, obviously a lot of people that I've interviewed, um, for the podcast are models of mine. Um, and if you do not know, the, the Smart Learner models have a private Facebook group that we've created so everyone can stay in touch with each other. Mm-hmm. And also so I can post um, varying opportunities, whether with Smart Glamour or that I see outside Smart Glamour and people can see them. So when I launched the podcast, I, I announced it in the group as well. And I said, you know, if you're reading this right now, I want to talk to you. Um, sign up. Here's a link to sign up. Um <laughs> And you wanted to sign up, but you uh, rightfully asked if, if if I was interested in having another straight cis white lady on the podcast, <laughs> yeah. um, which I really, and I said this when you asked that I really appreciated you asking that question. And then I have, you know, lots and lots of guests all lined up. Um, so yes, I had room for another straight cis white lady, um, <laughs> but I'm interested if that's a question that you would have asked a few years ago or if this is a newer res- uh, revelation of something that you're making sure you're not taking up space or like what was your thought process behind asking you that so I'll give you a twofold answer okay um so I feel as though I even though I grew up in a in a small town that was basically made up of a lot of heterosexual cisgendered white people <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that my family um, that I grew up with. My, my uncle came out to me when he was, when I was nine. Um, mm-hmm. My uncle has been with my, my other uncle um, mm-hmm. since I was 11. Um, I'm now 32. So I, I've seen, um, I've met with, of course, like my uncle John and Brian's friends, um, wonderful people um in the transgender community um the lgd lgbtq plus community in general um so i i'd like to i would like to think that i would ask if you wanted another cis gendered woman um you know um heterosexual woman i think i would have asked that immediately um that said um I think that the the past, I'll even say half decade, so like going from age 27 to 32, um, I think I've been I've been kind of on this quest to learn more about my privilege um, and how to I, I, I'm sure that I, I'm going to sound like a broken record for a lot of our listeners, but like how to pass the mic and how to make sure that um, there really is like not forced, but true diversity in every given platform or situation, um, whether it be mm-hmm. at a university or in fashion. Um, and that is something I've thought about within the past five years. So mm-hmm. I'll say that the second part of my question that I asked is absolutely new as of my late twenties. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that that in itself was because of like the research that I was doing, it was 
my mental shift from being from being like someone who was not racist to being someone who wanted to be actively anti-racist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure if that answers your question. Yeah, it um, does. But it's so the the first part of that I feel as though even though I'm not um, specifically uh, a member of the LGBTQ plus community, I have lived with and loved members of that community for a long, long time. Um, mm-hmm. And um, their stories, as as my uncles, you know shared more about their experiences with me as, as I grew up and became more mature. Um, their stories have been so inspiring and, and, um, for a lack of a better word, heartbreaking at times too. Um, I mean, mm. but, um, the, the second part of it, definitely I've, I've tried to make it something that is, is more of not just something that I know in my heart to be true about myself, but something that I want to advocate for actively um, mm-hmm. in my community and outside of my community too. So. Which is really wonderful. And sometimes I think, um, you know, just to talk to fellow white people listening to this podcast right now, uh, you know, I think that sometimes people get so wrapped up in the word racist or like somebody is racist or somebody's mm-hmm. not racist that they, they're so focused in on that word and their personal ties to that word and not wanting to be seen as you know a bad person quote unquote that they they can't zoom out um and see the system for what it is and like what they're living within and what other people are living within and i also think that sometimes people think that um and this this goes for lots of different situations, not just fighting against racism, but fighting against lots of different things. Um, people want a very easy, quick way to fix things. And yeah. <laughs> the fact of the matter is that almost nothing that I've discussed with anyone on this podcast so far can be dis- can be fixed or solved in any kind of quick way. It has to be a big effort from lots of lots of people doing what they can in their spaces and um i think that's why it's important that you um are aware to ask that question to make sure that that if you're gonna sign up to participate in something um that thing you are participating in is also being fairly available and accessible to everyone else that's not you because it may not be and you know, obviously, you know me and you know Smart Glamour, so you probably assumed that <laughs> I had already, you know, signed up lots of guests of lots of different experiences. But right. that's the kind of question that we um, should be asking to anyone who asks us to be parts of things. Um, you know, it's very important. Oh, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, that there was a big part of me that when I first started embarking on that journey of like how to be how to be anti-racist and how to like really look at my privilege in the face and be like you know what you can sit in that shame for a bit because you have had experiences just based solely on the fact that your skin is lighter than someone that Mm -hmm. someone else hasn't had that I I would just say to listeners that it you know admitting that you have space to grow and learn doesn't make you a bad person it makes you Mm -hmm. a better human Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I do want to thank you for that too, because I know that, um, when it comes to body image and and how I've treated myself, I know that you've called me out on a few things that I've done, 
you know, in the past. And I, and I do appreciate it. And at the time I remember feeling so ashamed and so angry, but it really has helped me grow as a person. Um, and it's helped me love myself more because ultimately like that's, that's something I'm always going to struggle with, but I, I do appreciate you and everything that you, you do too. And I will say to you and to anyone else who I've, um, either called out or called in, whether I've done it publicly or I've done it in a DM. Um, I only do that to people that I know are worth my time and are going to listen to me. So, <laughs> so, so uh, take it as a compliment that I um, think that you're an open-minded human being with wonderful intentions. And that's why I bring something to your attention because I think you'll listen. I don't spend a lot of time talking to brick walls. It's not worth my energy. Yeah. So if, if anyone out there who's listening to this has ever had a conversation with me where I've suggested that maybe something they did was harmful in some way, um, I've only had that conversation with you because I respect you and I love you. And I think that you're, you didn't mean it. <laughs> and, and it, and it was so important. And I feel like even called out is too strong of a word as someone who right. loves rhetoric and someone who's a writer. Um, uh-huh. But like, just, I, I said, maybe I should say that you shined a harsh light on something that I wasn't seeing. Um, mm. So, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, and sometimes you need that garish light to really take a look at something like fully in the face to really understand right. what's happening. So I do right. appreciate that. Um, and, you know, for any listeners, like, it, you know, if, if someone does give you the opportunity to see something in a different light, please don't like shut down. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Ooh. Um, so in closing... Are there any ways that you'd like to see um, both the fashion modeling shopping industry change and maybe also the higher ed education um, uh, industry and, yeah, I guess it would be an industry industry change? (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, Fashion. I mean, I uh, there's something that sticks with me about um, what's on your page. And I think what you've even put on some of inst- your Instagram and Facebook posts is that it, it's in the sizing area. When you're talking about, you say that the size of the clothing is only indicative of how much fabric is needed to make it. it it's not, mm-hmm. indi- you know, and I think that that type of language is just so important. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, as someone who, um, and when I say I've, I've struggled with body image, Mal, I, I want to say that like, you know, I've had individuals in my family who have, um, struggled with anorexia and bulimia, and I've, I've seen that happen. And I know that I have a proclivity towards that in my own mental, my own mental space. And, um, just having wording like that in fashion is just so pivotal in, in turning the tides towards something that's so much more inclusive, um, and diverse and, Mm. and, compassionate, you know, mm-hmm. for, for lack of a better um, word to, way to put it. But um, that that made all the difference for me just seeing those words. Um, and I, and I think just having more people represented, I still like, I'll, I'll look at magazines still. And I know that, and I feel like what's being represented is just like, people are saying like, this is, and I hate this word, but I feel like I'm looking at their token person. You know, mm-hmm. it's never mm-hmm. like, it's never natural. It's never like, this is diversity because fashion and because people are diverse, because there's no one person who looks the same as mm-hmm. any other person. It's, it, it's almost like they're pushing diversity for the sake of, for the sake of selling as opposed to diversity for the sake of inclusivity. Um, mm. And I'd like to see that 
done in a more natural way. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, I've always applauded, um, you know, literature and TV and film who have made, um, who have really shown diversity on the screen or on the pages in a way that's just how it should be. It's just people, you know, Um, and, and you know, it's just people. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, I, I feel like fashion has a lot of strides it still needs to take for it to be showing just people and yeah. that that's beautiful in and of itself. I also feel like fashion needs to stop putting labels on things that should be either like gendered, for example. I, I know that I, I I mentioned at the very beginning that I am the older sister to three brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I identify as cisgendered heterosexual, but I was the biggest like tomboy competitive girl power. Like I think I had a t-shirt that said like Jack and Jill raced up the hill to see who was the better athlete. Sorry, Jack. Like I like, <laughs> like I, and I wore that like from like age 12 to like 16 when it was like torn to shreds. And like, <laughs> I, I just think that, you know, fashion should just be like about expressing who we are like not just like who we want to be on the outside, but who we are on the inside. And that, and that doesn't mean that, you know, uh, a, you know, a woman who identifies as, you know, cisgendered woman can't wear something that's like a t-shirt and shorts and like all that. And that a man can't confidently walk in someplace wearing a gorgeous, like fuchsia top. Like it's, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, I think we have a lot, a lot of space to go. And I'm getting like, you can tell I'm getting on my like soapbox. Um, <laughs> um, but um, so obviously I have some opinions on how fashion should go. Um, <laughs> um, and then, sorry, your second question or your last question, fashion yeah, and, ha- oh, and, and, and the education space. Yeah. Um, I feel like I've been very lucky to work um I shouldn't say that. I feel like I've been very picky with where I've worked um, <laughs> um, and where I've applied to um, to get work um, with how the school handles diversity and inclusion. And I like, sometimes I like to think that like my nice comfortable bubble of um, knowing that my university is doing what it can for diversity and inclusion. That means, oh, that means all the universities are, but that's of course not the case. Um, I think that just as all people, myself included, have room for growth in their understanding of humankind and how they can better be the best, better be the best. Oh my gosh. How they can be the <laughs> best. Um, sometimes I feel like I just should never say I'm, I'm, say I'm an English major in podcasts because then people are like, what did she say? Um, but in any case, I think that whether you're a human being or part of an organization or a part of a group or a person you know within the university or higher education realm that there's always room for growth and I'm always I'm always the most encouraged by college and colleges and universities who flat out say we still have work to do and ask their general population faculty staff students alike how they can best get that work done um, mm-hmm. the last thing I want to see in higher ed is just someone just being totally like, we're done, <laughs> you know? Right, right. It's like, right. Y- you're not cake. You're, you're not done. Yeah, you know? You're not cake. Oh you God. know? 
Um, I've been watching the Great British Baking Show. It soothes oh, me. Yes. So, oh, um, yes. yeah. But no, you're you're not done. And I think that the the best way to think about it, the best universities and colleges out there are ones that know that they're not done and they're never going to be done, and they're going to just keep on working and marching towards something better. Mm, that's lovely. I agree, and especially in the education sector because, I mean. Your whole point is that people aren't dur- people aren't done. You know, mm-hmm. people can continue to learn. So, like you as an institution, should also be able to continue to learn. <laughs> oh, absolutely. After all, it um, is made up of people <laughs> who must continue yes, to learn. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> Uh, companies are made up of human beings shocking yeah. shockingly enough um <laughs> this has been such a lovely chat um i feel like we touched so many things it was wonderful um where would you like people to find you or follow you on the internet Ooh. um well i'd say that i'm probably most active um as far as my various activities on instagram um and People can find me at um, Kayla, which is spelled funny. Thanks, mom, for that. Um, college was real fun. Um, C-A-E-L-A underscore and A-N-N-E. Um, and then I also am hoping to um, have a blog come out very, very soon. So um, I will absolutely post that on Instagram. Um, the idea behind that will be about finding home or that feeling of home in various places while traveling the world. Um, mm. So I'm excited to share that. And um, and hopefully in a couple years time, it'll also contain my announcement of going to law school because that's my ultimate dream is to oh. be a human rights advocate in international law. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Yep. Um, so people can head to the description of this episode and just click straight through and find Kayla. Thank you so much. No, thank you so much. It's been it's been so wonderful, and I um and I mean this in the most sincere um and gracious way possible, and not at all it being lip service. But you really have changed my life and how I view myself and my beauty inside and out. So I thank you so much, and I hope that anybody listening oh will will see that value as well. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of fashion for all please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on apple podcasts to help others find the show for more smart glamour goodness you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on facebook at backslash smart glamour and instagram at smart underscore glamour thanks thanks